nurses and hypochondriacs, the podcast that brings nurse experts, patients, and hypochondriacs together to discuss hot topics in healthcare. And here is your host, Ercilia Pompilio. Life is short and the world is wide. On this episode of Nurses and Hypochondriacs, I interview one of my nurse practitioner alumni buddies from UCLA, Janet Atencia. She and her husband did what only most people dream about doing. They quit their jobs for a whole year and decided to travel the world with their two teenage children. It's called gap year travel. And Janet talks about how she decided to world school her kids instead of regular school or homeschool her kids. She also shares some really fun stories about the good, the bad, and the ugly aspects of travel and how it's really beneficial to be a nurse practitioner while you're traveling overseas and the world. This is a super fun episode you won't want to miss, especially if you're thinking about doing what Janet did and follow your dream and travel the world. This episode is brought to you by Rogue Nurse Media 501c3 and the well-written nurse, empowering nurses and patients to tell their stories. Welcome to Nurses and Hypochondriacs, Janet Atencia. So happy to have you on. Thank you. Thank you, Celia. It's been a long time. I know it's long been a long time. Since we haven't sat in. Yeah, we were just um, catching up a little bit. So how we know each other is that we went to UCLA together, although we were in different um, uh how can I say? Not different classes. We did share some classes together, but we were I was doing different programs. That's it. I was in pediatrics and you were in family practice, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yes, family. Family. Okay. I mean, we definitely had many classes together, but because of the specialties, we um, deviated when it came to the, you know, to the specialty program portions. Well, so you're doing something very amazing and awesome. And it's something that so many people want to do. And it's just a dream, but you made that dream a reality. You totally manifested it. So tell us about what you're doing. So um, in August, uh uh, I guess the end of August of 2023, um, our family decided to take a year off uh, to do some traveling. Um, so gap year travel. And so it's my husband and my two kids. And we both quit our jobs. And we just decided that it was time to go. We had initially planned to do this in November of uh, 2020, but we all know what happened in that year. So um, we 
uh, delayed it two years. And finally, it just, uh, January of 22, um, we said, it's now or never. I mean, we keep talking about it, keep talking about it. And at some point, you have to make a decision to go with go with go with the flow to actually make this a, this dream a reality. And so we started um, that journey uh, the end of August, and um, we've been to about thirteen countries so far. Um, and we're currently in the Philippines and on the last 90 days of our journey. Oh my gosh. Um, How exciting. I mean, that's what it is in a nutshell. (laughs) Yeah. It was, that is so exciting. It it really was crazy to quit our jobs. Yeah. So let's go over that process. You called it gap year travel. What is gap year travel? Yes. So, uh, in uh, European countries, like after university, they have a gap year where prior to, you know, after graduating from university, instead of um, choosing to be employed immediately, most um, university graduates decide to take a gap year and, you know, maybe experience living in different countries or experienced um, something um, salient to profession prior to actually embarking on something more professional on a, you know, regular nine to five job per se. And um, I found out about gap year traveling slash world schooling, because that's kind of where we are, what we're doing, um, through um, some other website uh, and, and other families who've been doing this. So um, I'd say that we're world schoolers because we're taking our kids on a journey um, around the world and educating them at the same time. And there's actually quite a big movement of, uh, a, a big movement um, to leave the brick and mortar school system and educate them, educate their children outside um, that standard curriculum. Um, and it just gives them a base uh, for the future and really just immerses them uh, and to become citizens. And uh, in addition, one of the reasons why I wanted to do it is because before they turn 18, this is the only time that we'll actually um, sorry about the noise, by the way, I'm, just, I'm outside. Um, <clears throat> this is the only time that we get to travel with them. Um, this, it will never happen again. It's unlikely that we'll have this opportunity to travel together um, 24-7, which is a blessing and sometimes not a blessing. <laughs> so you have two kids. So, so that's what right? gap year travel is. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So you have two kids. And so take us to, over this process of how you quit. What were you doing before you quit? You were working as a nurse practitioner in transplant, you said. Yes. 
So I had spent a decade in um, transplantation, um, actually kidney and pancreas uh, transplantation. And um, there came a time, uh, well, actually we had been preparing our home. So we have a home and we decided um, to rent it out. And in order to rent it out furnished, um, we, we had to uh, declutter and minimize all of our belongings. So, um, and, and just that in itself is, is such a challenge because, you know, living yeah, in the a- United States, everyone has accumulated so many items. And, and we ended up selling things, giving things away, getting, um, we eliminated all our clothes. Like my children have no clothes anymore, and no, nothing of their own. Some, uh, some cherished memories that they, they want to store. My husband and I, we also gave up a lot of our clothes and really, really minimized to, to keep the storage down. Um, because we don't want to pay for storage while we were away. Yeah, I hear so you. We really I just did the same. Yeah, I just did the same thing. It's so <laughs> freeing, though. Doesn't it feel amazing when you do that? Oh my gosh, yeah. It just lets you know how much you really didn't need all that time. And we kept storing things for a rainy day, which that never ends. You know, we have there's in the United States. There's just so much. Um, consumer consumerism there's just so much marketing plans and and you know if it's if it's slightly damaged then you know get rid of it and get a new one um, one of the things that we've learned in our travels is that it's unnecessary to always get something new we've realized that our whole world is, has changed our mindset has changed quite a bit um, visiting all these other different countries but um so we had to get the house ready so that was one thing and then my husband and i we just decided that there's no way that we could work and travel and educate the children at the same time so we just said you know gave her you know 30 days or two weeks or something rather and said that um we're leaving it was so people were shocked Everyone that I've spoken to were like, what are you doing? This is, that sounds insane. And I mean, we had always been pretty good at um, keeping our finances on, in order. So uh, we've always saved all this time. And um, it just, we just realized that we could do it. Other people have done it, um, have gone this route. That's amazing. So you had a lot of people telling you like you're crazy. What did you tell them back after 
they said that to you? Because I get that a lot. I get that you're crazy. And I'm like, yeah, I know I am. So people have just accepted my crazy, which yeah, is yeah. okay. But um, so when that, because you're going, you're going outside of the norm. Like yeah. it is the nine to five, got to buy a house, got to have the 2.5 kids, got to have the two pads, got to have the, the two cars in the garage. You know, you work your nine to five, then you come home and you watch Netflix and maybe on the weekends you do some fun stuff like uh, sports with your kids and stuff. And that's American life for a lot of people. And a lot of people don't understand that there's just more to that, you know, because we've been fed this. This is what you're supposed to do. and, And don't go off of that path. But you did. So how did you respond to the naysayers, the people who were, you know? Um, So I think they, they were, they responded well when I said, we're never going to have this time again to spend with the children together. Um, Sure, we take vacations. Everyone takes a vacation of some sort, but to spend six weeks together, or, you know, 24 seven in countries. Um, uh, and like, well, uh, proof of concept was, was provided during COVID. You don't necessarily have to be in class per se anymore. Um, to be educated. And, you know, uh, during the time that we were traveling through Egypt, my daughter was studying ancient Egyptian civilization, and we were walking through Luxor, and we were walking through the Valley of the Kings. Um, You know, you can't, you can't, um, you can't provide that kind of education in the classroom. She literally was walking through her curriculum. It's amazing. amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So how old are your kids? Um, My eldest um, is 15. So he is a sophomore, um, a 10th grader. And then my daughter is um, in seventh grade. So it's definitely easier if, we had done this prior to being in high school, um, but we still found a way. Um, There's some some challenges because of uh, certain accreditation that is required, so that the the year abroad isn't quote unquote wasted. Um, we did find an accredited school that would be accepted for when he returns um, in the fall. So that that's one. That's one um, suggestion is perhaps to do it, do any sort of long-term travel um, for high school. But it certainly doesn't limit you. It just is a little bit more challenging. That's all. But yeah, so they're 15 and 13. So what did your kids say when you said, hey, we're taking a year off and this is what we're going to do? I mean, did they, were they like, cool, let's do it? Or were they like, well, we want to be with our friends? My daughter was very specific about, say, asking, is this only for one year? Because 
she's at that age now um, where she's, you know, well, interested with, with her girlfriends and just yeah. wanting to maintain a close relationship. And for my son, he wasn't exactly a naysayer, but he definitely did have some hesitation. Um, so, and it, and it's been challenging for him because, um, like that, he's a a tenth grader uh, who was active in sports and has a, a pretty good network of um, friends. Um, so it's been challenging to keep up with his friends and to uh, keep up with what's been going on in their daily lives. Um, so it's a little bit more challenging for others, a little bit more go with the flow. Uh, my question again is, all right, so you, the kids are on board, you get your house all ready, um, you're all packed, you're ready to go. What country did you guys hit first? Um, well, we visited um, family in France first, and then... And then we decided to do the Camino de Santiago. Oh, um, awesome. That's intense uh, oh, as good. a family. That, yes. That's, so, that's intense as a family. As um, It's a good thing it wasn't your first uh, uh, your first stop. Yeah. You did the family. That's like, that's kind of normal. You guys have done that before. So it's kind of yeah. like normal. But the Camino de Santiago, I've wanted to do that. Yes. That's an intense journey. It's very Paolo Coelho. So tell us about that. It, so I had seen another family, another world schooling family. And then some other videos with people talking about it. And in retrospect, I probably would have done the Camino Santiago towards the end. Um, but the reason we did it in the beginning was because it would have been too hot at the for the time that we would have done it. Um, uh, we would have done it on the tail end, but then it would have been too hot. And so instead of doing it in the summertime, we decided to do it for the fall. So we started that in September. And the my kids were really shocked about the, the distances that we had to walk. I kept explaining what we were doing, but you know, you can keep talking about these things and then yeah, they don't really understand it fully until we, we start doing it. And my husband had heard of it as well, actually, because his father had done it. Um, we had done the French way and his father had done it maybe 30 years before, um, mm. but an, an even longer route that started in France. So we we took about 30 days to do it. And we did it our way. We didn't have to, we didn't walk at every single station. And because the kids had to go to school, uh, we realized that there was no way for us to um, walk in, uh, all these consecutive days because um, the kids needed to at least school maybe two hours a day. So imagine walking anywhere from 
eight to 20 kilometers a day. There's really no uh, chance to do any schooling. So we took some breaks, some days we took um, maybe two days longer. And then to make up, we would um, use public transportation to get us to the next town so that we sort of continue on. But it was an amazing journey for all of us. We didn't walk together the whole time. There were times that my, you know, we were walking maybe a couple hours separately. And, but we were sort of within sight of each other. It's quite safe, the, the Camino Santiago. And it, it really was a test. It was a test so, to see. So before, before you, yeah. Oh, oh, <laughs> sorry. Before you go on. So sure. tell us what the Camino de Santiago is for people who don't know. It's a, it's sort of like a pilgrimage, oh. uh, like uh, meditation yes. of sorts, correct? Well, it's certainly a religious pilgrimage. Um, it's St. James Way. And there are several routes um, to, to do this. I don't know them all particularly. There's like an El Norte, there's a, a Portuguese, there's some, some other ways. And you have several, you walk for several kilometers, uh, kilometers a day. And then you end up staying in like in an albergue, basically it's like a, a hostel. And um, each day you have a journey and you get closer and closer to reaching the end, which is either uh, uh, Santiago de Compostela or Finisterre, which would be all the way to the sea. And again, it's a religious journey, but we didn't find, I'd have to say we didn't find many people that were on a religious journey per se everyone was on their own journey being you know you know sort of uh it's a physical feat um for them and or um a way to reconnect with themselves it's definitely an existential uh examination of yourself because most people walk by themselves and it's a, a community building um, event in a way as well. We all have this common uh, goal and we sort of just chat with people who are on the Camino and, and there's a thing, the Camino Pides. And, um, I think it's, it's just a great way to reconnect with yourself um, if you're needing to do that or if you're missing some um some need to just you know disconnect from how the oh, journey community yeah yeah so it's and it's very solitary right I've always building. wanted to do this after I read Paolo Coelho and I and I was really really oh, into okay. it. but it, it seems very intense and you did it with kids were other people doing it with kids no, we were the, we actually met an Israeli family um, halfway through and they were doing a like, I think two week day journey because they were on vacation, um, spring holiday. No, no, well, some kind of holiday. And then we met another family with little kids and they were pushing a stroller. 
So they did it at the last 100 kilometers. So we started um, in uh, Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port, which is in the southern France. And then we had to climb over the Pyrenees, which was utterly amazing, just amazing. And everyone should have this, uh, this, this view with just one time in their life to, to climb up over the mountains and in the grassy hills and see all the animals and just be with the people who are walking on their first day uh, journey. Um, and it is solitary. Yes. Um, I, um, so as a family, we didn't all walk together. Um, at the same time, sometimes my husband and I would walk or, you know, my husband, and my daughter or my son and I, um, there were times that my son, he had downloaded the office and he was listening or watching the office as he was walking on the Camino. Sometimes we sang, we, we played games. I mean, it's hours and hours of walking and you're just so excited when you get to your destination so you can take a shower and take your shoes off and just sit after walking for hours. Um, I highly recommend it. And anyone could do it with their family and anyone can do it themselves. And there's no, there's no right or wrong to do the Camino. If you only have a week and you want to do it every year, then just start off at the next one. If you again have a family with two kids, you know, with, with young children, you can certainly just alter your route so that you can accommodate, um, you know, the um, ebb and flow of the children's naps, or you know, you know, when they start to get fussy because suddenly they've been walking for like three hours or so. So. Um, I encourage you or Celia, if you, if you want to do it, you don't have to do it all in one shot. Yeah. I'll have to reread uh, Paulo Coelho's Camino de Santiago again. Maybe that'll get me inspired, but, um, how many miles is it? How many kilometers total? I think it's 750. Oh, wow. Kilometers. And I think we did three. Yeah. Wow. It's 500 miles. Oh, wow. I think it's 500 miles. Wow. That's like, oh, 350 kilometers. Wow. Yeah, that, it was really, it was, awesome. we were so happy at the very end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you get any revelations or anything it. at the end? Did it, did you get any aha moments or? Um, any aha moments? Well, it certainly was the first in, um, in our adventure. So the fact that we could, were able to complete it together, we were, the fact that we were able to stick together, um, as a family and not kill ourselves. It was the first time those first 30 days were tough, um, because we were just adjusting to this life of you know, that we just left, that we quit our jobs, that we were just slipping off of our savings, that the kids were being educated online again, really was a lot to take in. And the first that we started to feel more comfortable 
comfortable that suddenly, oh, we only have a week left of, the, of, of this amazing walk and amazing scenery and amazing people that, that we encountered along the way. Um, so uh, I, I think that the real say, but the grit and the perseverance that was required to, to complete it was a feat in itself. <laughs> and part of the first journey. I think it's excellent that you guys started with that. It's like a detox in a way, you know, and seeing if you could do the oh. rest of it, because going to other countries, that's pretty intense. So what was the country you yeah. were saying that you guys went to Egypt? Was Egypt next? We actually, no, we went to Turkey. So from Spain, we went to Turkey. Um, and uh, Egypt and Jordan. Um, no, I think it was actually no. It was uh, it was Turkey, Jordan, Egypt, Namibia, uh, La Réunion, which is a French island off the coast of Madagascar. Um, then it was Thailand, Laos, Cambodia, Vietnam, Japan. And now the Philippines. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Those are the countries that we've been to so far. <laughs> and um, so, so far, what's been the most like interesting? Me? Yes. I oh, can sorry. Hear yeah. Yeah. What's been the most interesting, like the most, uh, what, what's been the best, the good, the bad and the ugly. So <laughs> every country has been, it's so unique. Um, well, we certainly loved going to Namibia for the self-driving, self-drive exploration and self-driving safari. So um, that was definitely a big, uh, that was a big part of our budget. Um, uh, we thoroughly enjoyed exploring that country. And uh, fun fact, there's like only 2.6 million inhabitants in the country of um, Namibia. And when we were in Japan, they, there's this uh, Shibuya crossing in, I believe it's in Tokyo. And like 2 million people pass through this intersection, you know. Uh, on a daily basis. So it's just so funny to, to get the breadth of the differences in um, population um, uh, in, in the countries that we've seen. Um, so that was definitely a highlight, you know, going on a safari. Um, we did go to Turkey um, and that was also a very historical um, exploration. Um, we were in in Istanbul for quite a few days. And then we went out to Cappadocia, um, which is a beautiful region of um, Turkey where there's a lot of cave dwelling and a lot of um, natural exploration um, in the area. And one of our bucket list items was um, riding a hot air balloon out in- Wow. Um, in that region. And I, I, 
you probably see it like Instagram it uh, to death, or they um, there's about a hundred or so hot air balloons in the early, and you can just overlook the valley. Oh wow! Place of Cappadocia. So that was amazing. Uh, go, going to Southeast Asia, I mean, I mean, we're still in Southeast Asia being in the Philippines. There's just so many different cultures. We really have enjoyed every part of um, this journey here. And each of these countries had such amazing cuisine, amazing people, amazing sights. Um, for example, we went to Angkor Wat in Cambodia and I guess about a week there just exploring that area and getting really good guides, um, thoroughly enjoying ourselves um, there. It was nice because we actually weren't, um, I used points to for the accommodation there, so we actually had a little uh, luxury stay <laughs> opposed to our usual like two-star stays. Um, Egypt, of course, was amazing. Um, you know, to, to be up close in the pyramids and see the Sphinx or to, we went as far south as Abu Simbel. Um, so, uh, Cambodia, we only had gone to Angkor Wat. Uh, we, we had planned to actually spend more time in, um, the country of Laos and Cambodia, but, um, we ended up spending like a month in Thailand because we just didn't want to leave and that we were thoroughly enjoying ourselves. Um, again, just exploring different parts of um, Thailand. It's, we really enjoyed the North. It was, it was nice to go, we went on a biking tour. It was nice to just sort of um, uh, go and uh, experience different cultures. And, and within the country itself, there's just, they have differences in cuisine and differences in, um, in culture. So it was really nice to see that. Um, Anchor Wat, of course, is like a big draw. Um, they, uh, it was extremely hot, but we thoroughly enjoyed our sunrise bike tour where, uh, it was almost an eight-hour day that started at four thirty in the morning. Oh wow! But uh, we were able to go see a lot of the temples, and uh, of course, to Angkor Wat itself, and then uh, a few other of the uh, big name temples. For example, I think it's Tat Prom, which is the Tomb Raider um, uh, temple, where uh, where the trees have sort of like going over the um the temples we um uh, we've we had a fantastic uh, homestay um in laos in a very small um village uh down from these um falls in Luang Prabang and we were thoroughly immersed in this one community for about, I guess, five days, um, we helped to teach English. We bathed with, um, bathe. we 
went to the local swimming hole every day with the kids after school. We helped um, cook dinner a couple of times. And we just met other like-minded individuals who were interested in um, not just being a tourist, but sort of just immersing ourselves for a really, um, uh, again, a immersive cultural experience. Um, my kids really enjoyed playing with other kids, uh, which has been sort of a challenge because, you know, when you're sort of being a nomad, it's not easy to find, um, you know, other playmates. So it was helpful to have that experience there. Um, we've had some, uh, we've had some challenges, I'd say, of course. Um, we, uh, we thoroughly enjoyed Jordan, um, but we certainly had, um, a harrowing night, uh, <laughs> uh, looking for accommodations, um, we actually had just finished um, swimming in the Dead Sea, and it's real salty. You can float yes. in the Dead Sea, right? It's real salty. Oh my goodness, yes! And if you remotely have a t the tiniest little hangnail, the pain from the salt is unbearable. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, we had this, uh, we had just finished the Dead Sea and our journeys have been that we plan maybe at maybe two or three days in advance. And we hadn't yet found a hotel for that night. And I had searched through um booking.com and agoda and just kept looking and looking and couldn't find anything that was reasonably priced a lot of um there are a lot of resorts on the on the dead sea and and their hotel their nightly fee was about like three hundred dollars a night and wow. you know we were just trying to keep it really um, budget conscious. So that was not in our price range. And while I was searching, um, I had, I happened to have found one that was much more reasonable for $150, $50 a night. And I said, oh, well, that certainly seems to make sense. Okay, we can, we can book that. And so of course, so, so I did. And we followed the um, directions to to this hotel and we were following this road and all of a sudden we realized oh there are just trucks here like a lot of commercial trucks freight trucks in fact and um and and suddenly we were the only passenger car and then there were a point that people in the trucks the truck drivers were sort of saying going the wrong way and we had no clue and we just kept following the gps to this hotel and then and then there was a moment towards the end you know when we were finally arriving and it finally dawned on me oh oh there's a light now <laughs> okay i will thank you and um 
it finally dawned on it, dawned on me that I should probably just double check this hotel because that seems really weird that we're the only passenger to fly here. Well, and uh, it turns out we finally hit the border. We hit the border of Jordan and Israel because I had booked a hotel in Palestine. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. I booked a hotel in Palestine and I remember looking at the confirmations and it said something, Jer it said, la 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 la, Jericho. And I thought, oh, okay, well, okay, that, that name's familiar to me, you know, that city's familiar to me from right. a biblical standpoint. And suddenly I realized I made a huge mistake. Oh, wow. So the border saw us and looked at us like you guys are crazy we flashed our american passports and they're like you're not going there oh my <laughs> you're god you're not leaving wow so we were told to turn back because they were not letting us through yeah, it's like a movie and, oh it was crazy freaked out you know, it's funny because I asked them about it a little bit later and they don't seem to recall it so much. I don't know if they were just so busy with their devices that they had no clue to what was happening or they right. just sort of like blocked out the, because there was tension. My, I mean, yeah. My husband was mad at me. I was mad at myself. I was flipping out. Oh, yeah. and then on top of that, on top of that, it was already sunset. Oh, it was, yeah. Yeah. It was getting, yeah. starting to get dark. Yeah. It was get dark. Yeah. And so I found another place and this, these were, was some kind of villa. And so I said, okay, well, there's this like a villa that we can go to. We should have known not to pursue because once we crossed this one road, it was completely dark. But my husband looked Whoa. like, no, 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 we're just going to keep going. You found this thing because now this is like the second attempt on my end. He's like, you found the thing and so we're going to go. And I'm like, no, I think we should probably turn around because the road went from cement to like unpaved dirt roads. And I thought, this can't this is all wrong. And again, it's getting darker and darker. And then finally it's just, it's pitch black. And wow. basically we were in an area where there were villas, but it was mostly like summertime villas and it's just off. It was off season. So nothing was really happening in that area. And so finally he decides to turn around and then we find something on Google and, and Google, um, we finally we follow this Google's direction to this hotel and man, it was kind of like this paradise in the middle of nowhere. I'm like, okay, I hope the rooms are normal and well, I'm not, not normal per se, but you know, at least the bathroom is clean. You know, <laughs> as we've been traveling, we had just have a few minimum requirements like, the bedroom, the, the beds are clean and the bathroom is clean. <laughs> so yeah. anyways, to make a long story short, that one finally worked out. And um, we're just not going to forget that little episode of trying to find find a place to stay. And 
So, you know, geography is kind of important. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow, so. that that is intense, intense. So, um, so you're kind of at the end of your journey. What other countries are you guys uh, going to? What's on the list next after the Philippines? Um, we are going to Indonesia. We're going to Bali. Oh, wow. And we may stop off um, in Malaysia as well. And then if we still have enough budget, we might go to New Caledonia. But we're definitely slowing down. We will spend a minimum of a month in um, Indonesia, in Bali. We, and I may actually just get the extended visa um, just so that we can sort of slow down and um, before our transition back to the United States. So it's just two more countries left. That's awesome. Two more. So, so for the visa, do you have to get a, a visa for each country or how does that work if you're from the United States? Do you get like a one-year yes. world pass or? No, no. You have to pay for a visa at each country. Um, and they are upon arrival. So visa on arrival, um, except Vietnam. Vietnam required you to apply for the visa for a visa um, about five days in advance. And, and that's actually cutting it too short. Um, probably trying to do it a week or at least a week to two weeks in advance would be helpful. Their, their system's a little bit slow, but um, we, we did eventually get our, our visa um, in order to travel. Uh, the Philippines was also, I think, on arrival, uh, and I think it was free. I think we didn't have to pay for a visa um, for the Philippines. Um, but yes, you do need one. Uh, I had a special. Um, I have an. I have an extended visa through uh, through my husband. Um, because of because uh, he's a European citizen, so I was able to get like a one year, one year extension, a one year visa um, for Europe. So in case we were going to be in the uh, European Union for longer than ninety days, which I think we might have done that. But in any case, I had a special extended visa for that. But yes, you do have, you need to get visas um, for all the different countries that you visit. They, they all have um, um, specific requirements. For example, Namibia required that um, there was a, uh, I, they required uh, birth certificates for the children. Oh, wow. want to make sure um, that the children, that they were our children. Um, but we haven't had that in any of the other countries, but Namibia requested that. So interesting. So you're like, I, what has been the best food? Let me go there with that question. What has been the best food that you've had? Hmm. Out of all the well, countries, can you say? 
I can say that hands down Thailand um, has been has had amazing food. Um, I'd say that after that would be is it Cambodia? Maybe Cambodia. Oh wow! Uh, Cambodia, uh, Laos, and Vietnam—they're all sort of all mixed in together. We've had amazing food everywhere um but probably thailand first uh the food in the philippines has been kind of heavy on the meats um and um very sweetened and fried um which isn't our usual um um dietary (laughs) daily dietary um uh preferences but uh still there's some interesting flavors here in the philippines they have really yummy desserts for sure uh, i'm i'm filipino so i'm quite uh i'm well aware of all the different foods which is funny because it doesn't have the same sort of taste as i've had in um in the united states so and and that's just like everywhere else like uh your pad thai in the u.s is not the same pad thai um that they have in thailand yeah so uh, it it's nice to have the different flavors i'd have to say well um i think it was in vietnam i had the most delicious um shredded banana flour salad wow which i've never had anywhere else except here and it's delicious and i've had some really delicious fish out in thailand as well um and it's been fun experimenting all uh experimenting and you know just trying all the different foods we eat a lot of uh, street food um that's been our go-to um being in asia and um it's also like you know economical to eat street food and we haven't we've fortunately haven't been sick um That's good. Yeah. Since, you know not terribly sick okay you know we've, we've had a little this and that but um we've had we haven't had one isolated event where we've all been pretty ill but i better start knocking on wood because that could be it <laughs> things could change yeah that's cool so you only have like 90 days you said left what are you going to do when you go back to the united states that's going to be kind of an interesting re-entry you know um yes uh and the answer to your question is we have to start looking for work. <laughs> we have to start you, for do you work really again. think you're going to go back to what you were doing before? I see you doing something very, very different. So I see you doing, because your husband is very creative, correct? Like yes, he's, in, he's an, yeah. he's he's an, an artist. artist. He's, he's an art director. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I see you doing something very creative. I'm I'm getting goosebumps. I see you going into modeling. I see you doing something like very different <laughs> than nursing. I, I mean, maybe a little bit of nursing here and there, you know, just yeah, to keep your foot in yeah. the door, maybe more consulting yeah. and stuff. But I see That's you going what into I was thinking. I see, yeah, I see you like writing a book, 
and going into modeling. Oh, you're so sweet, Ozilia. Um, but you're beautiful. I mean, a, you are <laughs> so beautiful. I see you being a Thanks. model. Watch, watch, go. I mean, even <sighs> just your pictures that you've been posting on Facebook alone. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, thank yeah, you. Yeah, watch. You. Once you get into oh. the States, headshots, agents. <laughs> Why okay, not? I- who knows? Who knows? For fun. For fun. You got to You got to keep that fun. Like, hey, I'm going to do this for fun. It's awesome. Yeah. I actually can get you connected with someone. Uh, one of my friends is modeling. She's absolutely beautiful. She's in her mid to late 50s. I mean, I mean, she gets work all the time. She's so beautiful. She was in one of my spin classes. Uh, and and friends, she actually came to my storytelling show, her and her boyfriends, um, are beautiful, are beautiful. So I can get you connected with her, um, and stuff. And and maybe she can be a little bit of a mentor for you, but yeah, they, they live a spectacular life. Like they lived in the desert, then they live in a boat and then they come back and, and do a camping thing. They have an amazing life, you know? Oh, like you're you gotta right. keep the um, mind keep going. I I I definitely agree with what you're saying, and uh, I mean certainly being an NP has helped um, multiple times um, along the way. The kids have been sick. Uh, we've had some injuries. Um, we've had some like you know otitis externa, and you oh, know cool. my little, did you have your my, st- did you bring your uh, instruments here? <sighs> Of course, right? You're like, I have my little bag. I don't I don't have any instruments per se, but you know, the the you know, symptomology and you know, the clinical um uh the clinical features sort of led to these, you know, my diagnoses. And I did leave um the US with a a fairly sizable um um, first aid kit with medications. Um, and then, you know, being out of the country, you can easily buy right. medications. Just go to the, yeah. I, just I was just, in Mexico is it's the same thing. I was just in Mexico and you could just go to the pharmacy and get whatever you want. And it's so convenient. It's so nice. Yes. I, you know, um, we needed some analysis when we were in Egypt and we were able to find a place. I went to get a, a lab drawn and it was $3. Oh my gosh. It's amazing. $3. Yeah. And I, I didn't have a doctor's order per se. You know, we, we can make our, you know, we can um, prescribe the, you know, for tests and sort of, uh, you know, prescribe for tests um, when need be, but I, I just walked in and just asked for it and paid for it. And literally, that's the one thing that's different um, outside of the United States is that the healthcare is a bit more accessible. Um, yeah. And it's not, you know, um, cost burdening um, as it is in the U.S. So... You know, not everybody gets care per se, but you are easily eligible. I mean, it might just be easier for me to say that because I come from the U.S. and, you know, the the money is 
isn't as, you know, isn't as difficult um, for us. But the fact that the access is easier uh, seems very helpful. And I think in other countries, like, I I feel that in the US, it's a very sick minded culture, like um, illness, it's very illness driven, I I have a feeling. And then in other countries that I've seen that I've traveled to, um, people barely talk about illness. Uh, You know, it's not very forward moving. Uh, family that I've had that I've gone to Italy with, uh, that I visited in Italy. Yeah, they had problems, but they went, um, got it taken care of and it was just over, you know? Yeah. There are those people who are like, oh yes, I have, you know, you get the hypochondriacs and stuff like that, that are always talking about it. But right. for the most part, yeah, we'll see much more healthier than they do in the United States. Do you agree? In- I have to say, yes, uh, I see a lot of like very active elderly here, um, actually all across Asia. They are, they're very active. Seemingly the ones I've seen out have been very active and everyone, because everyone's walking, everybody has to do some kind of work. To, they all have a purpose. They, they have some work to do. You know, it didn't appear that they were just sitting around watching TV. Um, So I'd have to say being active um, in these countries certainly uh, can reduce, um, you know, um, diseases or, you know, mobility issues, right? Uh, And not many people are obese. I have to say, I didn't see a lot of, there, there, it does exist, but it's not as prevalent, shall I say. Um, so there's just the differences in the culture. And you're right, the re-entries, going back to re-entry into the United States, it's really going to be shocking. Like, I can't even imagine going back to my house, even though I do want to. <laughs> I do want to, but it's, to, to think of the fire engines that I could hear all the time or, or the helicopters, the, the helicopters. Yes. The helicopters. Yeah. Uh, there's a yeah. lot of noise, especially in Los Angeles. Um, I live in the desert, so there's not so much noise. I was just in LA for a couple of weeks, but there is a lot of noise there. The helicopters for one um, is really terrible. I hope they cut that down. I wonder if people start complaining about that as a whole and putting right. it on a ballot and cutting it out because I feel that that's um, it's a waste of money. I mean, do they really, where are the studies? I mean, in our profession, right? We're so like peer reviewed. Let's look at the studies. Like, have they even studied helicopters? And right. is there more noise pollution than there is usage? I, I think that, um, in my opinion, I feel that helicopters are more like um, a cowboy thing. Like, I, I think that the police oh. department kind of uses it as more of an ego rush in a way. Like, is it really yeah. needed? You know, yeah, that yeah, that would be sure. To set to look at and 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 to get people thinking because people don't think about these things because you see it so much 
and you get so yeah. accustomed. Like, watch when you you're just go, numb to it. Yeah, you're just numb to it. It just becomes normal, familiar. But watch when you go back, you're going to be looking at stuff, and you're going to be like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, yeah, how can we change this or make it better to where you know people are living much more peacefully than they you know yeah. would be. Uh, you know, it's funny because, um, I mean, LA is such a big city and, and to think that we've spent a lot of time in smaller villages and just smaller areas, I, it's going to be a culture shock for sure. And I, I feel that perhaps we, you know, we want, we would like to move a, a ways from LA so that we can have a little bit more of a quiet lifestyle um, and not so hurried and, you know, fast paced. I I, I certainly don't want to fall back into that, that hamster wheel that we were on before. I mean, it was just so, so hard. It's hard on everyone. It is, but, and, and, and it really takes a lot of, takes a lot of guts to get off the wheel. It takes a lot to, to, to remove yourself from that comfort zone. And I think the only way that we're we're growing is to make it just a little bit uncomfortable. Um, and I think the kids, I think that's one of the benefits for the kids is that they're, they're becoming more flexible, you know, more uh, better at solving problems when things arise, when suddenly the ATM doesn't work and we need that money to pay for the boat or something, you know, um, they're figuring out how to manage their, their luggage. Um, since, you know, we only have like backpacks for the last year. We're just, I think being able to step out of the comfort zone, that's where, we all will start to flourish. And just like you, you decided to to sell your house of 18 years in a very, com- probably in a comfortable area. And then you're like, screw it. I need some, I need a, a different environment. You were seeking something. And, and for us, that was part of the impetus to go on this gap year travel. We were tired of just, following the same thing just tired of going to work and then looking for the weekend and and the weekend was only you know two days and and vacation is only so many days like we there is so much more to life than than that and I I find that it's um our you know, the culture in the U.S. is so tied to just nine to five and then waiting until you retire. You wait until you retire. I mean, you're 60. I mean, you're not going to be, you're not going to be canyoning. It's unlikely you'll be canyoning at like 65 or 70. You're probably unable, it'll be likely more challenging to, you know, go on hikes for, you know, 20 kilometers, even though people, there are definitely um, um, very uh, fry seniors on the Camino de Santiago. So I'm not diminishing the elders. I'm just, what I'm trying to say is that 
we shouldn't need to wait until we're older to get these experiences. That's all. It's That's so true. Do. Yeah, it's so true. And and I think it's because people and, and probably COVID made a lot of people realize that like, wait a minute, is this how life is supposed to be? Uh, because we've been so trained that that's all you're supposed to be doing, take the occasional vacation, you know, work the nine to five. And then when you're 65, that's when you're supposed to retire. And for many people, they don't even get there. You know, they either pass away earlier or have a debil- they have an illness. You know, some people are able to do that and, and stuff, but, but then it's just like, you're all like, wait a minute am I self-fulfilled? You know, am I self-realized? What is life really, really about? And it, and it takes really stopping what you are doing and going in a different direction, you know, going into the more creative direction, which so many people are so afraid of doing, you know? Uh, right. Cause it's risky, right? It, it's risky. Right. But life is all about risks. I feel I've taken a lot of risks. Um, I grew up in a gambling family, so it's, it's kind of, I don't want to say it's easy for me to take the risks, but definitely um, my family have pushed me like for selling my home. They're like, do it, do it, do it. You know, so <laughs> for many, many years. And I, yeah. I, my ego was so attached to being a homeowner, you know, um, which I then became a homeowner because then I, I ended up acquiring um, the, our property in Palm Springs, and um, which was so interesting because I, I didn't we we did plan that, but um, I I it just felt much easier. It didn't feel like a burden. It felt like I, I don't know. It felt very very different um, than what was going on in Burbank. So, uh, but do you think you had any ego attachments with? how things were supposed to be like, just like, Oh, wait a minute. It it's, I'm supposed to be doing this, but you were saying that like, was it even before COVID you guys were, were thinking about shifting and, um, yeah, I was, um, there was a change in my work. Um, and, um, I, didn't like my new schedule. And I thought one of the reasons why I had always sort of worked part-time was because I was, it was easier with the family. I could, um, you know, shuttle the kids to whatever they needed. I was always, you know, all the little things that make up, you know, the big parts of our family I could take care of. But then once you change your hours to be more you know, full time, that's very, um, it becomes challenging to, to fulfill, um, you know, some of those, uh, those duties. And I, I really started to think like, what did I need? What did I want for myself? And what did I want for our family? And, and my husband had mentioned a long time ago, like, why don't we move to Costa Rica? Like he had mentioned it years ago and yeah. um, he's definitely an, an, an adventurer. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, my reply was, or Celia, my reply was, 
no, because we're, we're not really supposed to do that. Or like the kids have to go to school here. You know, they have their friends. You know, I said all the things that we, uh, that's been driven into our psyche. You know, I said exactly. Yeah, programmed, this, yeah. Yes, I, I said exactly what was on the script. And then I got off topic, basically. Basically, I started to think like, there must be something else out there. We could do this. And, and I think one of the reasons we were able to just sort of like make that transition was because we basically lived um, minimally. Like I, we weren't trying to follow, you know, follow the Joneses next door. We, we didn't splurge on too many things. You know, we, we saved money. Uh, but we still enjoyed, we still went on vacation, but uh, I wasn't buying new things all the time. So mm-hmm. I think um, our journey to to taking this gap year travel was because we were financially conscious um, and being more minimalist. I mean, we weren't minimalists in the in the beginning and even a couple of years ago, but over the years, um, suddenly realizing that we could, you know, save for, you know, for retirement. Well, we decided not to exactly save it for retirement. Um, yeah. we, we took a bit of it so that we can go on this journey. So there are many ways to sort of do what we're doing, I think. And one of them, and I think the first step is to examine where you are in your life. And secondly, is to, if, if you feel that you need to sort of move away from what your normal schedule is, you don't have to take a full year. You could do it for a month. You could do it for six months. You, it's, it, it doesn't have to be all or none. And it's exactly like the Camino. You don't have to walk the Camino all in one, all in one shot. You could just come back to it every year if you need to, or if you suddenly realize that you have enough time. So I think the idea is um, there's always one more chance. There's always one more thing that you could do. Um, And if you can self-reflect, I think that was probably the beginning of how we started on this journey is, is taking a look of where we are, stepping off the stepping off the hamster wheel, and and seeing where you are. I, I think that's the first part. That's the very very first first step. That's awesome. Like I totally see you writing a book and doing all that. Well, thank you so I do much. Think about that. Yeah, yeah. You should. You should. You should start writing notes now. I'll talk to you a little bit after. Um, yeah the recording we could talk about that I can help you but this has been an amazing discussion I'm so excited for you for the rest of your journey your 90 days I'm sure you guys are gonna totally um have a lot of uh pleasure in those 90 days like just savoring the last bit of your um, trip so yeah I think so for sure. That's excellent. And um, excellent advice for anybody who wants to follow you, which I think more and more people should. I think more and more people are doing it. Um, and it's, you know, life is an adventure. You should, you should be living your life and not um, having your life live you, you know, and living to work. Yeah. 
So exactly, exactly. Excellent. We well, need to change that mindset. Yeah. Well, thank you so Celia. much for Thanks being for on. All right. Awesome. Thanks for listening to our Nurses and Hypochondriacs podcast. We love your support and we love our listeners. If you have some spare change, go ahead and throw some to us on our Venmo at Nurses and Hypocon. Also, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love that. And if you'd like to be a guest, go ahead and send us an email at nursesandhypochondriacs at gmail.com.